When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. And Corey, you have to be excited about how Penn State played against Ohio on Saturday afternoon. Because guess what? They look pretty damn good. You know, it's great. I was thinking we, we rode back together from Beaver Stadium. This was in my mind the whole time, Jared. When was the last time we could feel this good about Penn State's future. Now, I'm going to repeat this. You can close your ears for five seconds if you want. It was just Ohio. 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 Let's get that out of the way first. Ohio is not any good. You need to take everything we we say with a grain of salt and understanding of, of what we're talking about. Okay, but here's the question of, When's the last time you can say that you felt this good about Penn State's future? Because they got two effing studs back there. Now, one of them we're going to see a lot this year, Nick Singleton. I'm not sure how much we're going to see Drew Aller as the season goes on. You kind of don't necessarily want to see him because that means Sean Clifford's playing well. But the point I'm trying to make is this, Jared. It's been two really massively disappointing years. And we'll see how this season plays out but they got studs. The recruiting that we, we kind of hoped that they had and Singleton and Aller, we got to see it in the 46 to 10 thrashing of Ohio. And yes, it was just Ohio. But if you just take into account what we saw from Penn state, there is a lot of reason to really like where the program is going. Yeah. I mean, the, the future is very, very bright. And I think that is an excellent thing for Penn state moving forward. Um, they got a lot of young guys, a lot of good playing time, which I thought was very, very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was awesome for them. But at the same time, you know, Clifford got his time too, and he looked okay as well. And you can keep, keep him fresh. You can, obviously you found your feature back. Let's be real. I think keep on these days as the number one backer numbered uh, and rightfully so. But at the same time, you know, you have to be pleased with the way that they play. They got the young guys in, they got the experienced guys in, and now it's, you know, now it's preparing for Auburn. You're 2-0, which is better than some people thought they would be. Um, so you're 2-0 going into Auburn. Auburn is struggling with San Jose State as we speak. We're recording this Saturday night. So, and, and we'll get to this in the third segment. College football has been absolutely bonkers Nuts. this Nuts. weekend. Yep. And... I mean, for James Franklin, this it, it couldn't have worked out 
any better today for the Penn State program. Yeah, okay. Now, and you said something interesting. Penn State's 2-0. and There's a lot of different ways to be 2-0. and You can make a strong case they should have lost to Purdue. And we talked about it last week. If the dude makes the catch with two and a half minutes to go, Purdue wins that game, and everybody's pissed at Penn State. That was one of those, and we talked about it on the last podcast. Never feel bad about a win. Okay, that was just one of those a win is a win kind of games. Do you remember Villanova last year, Jared? Do you remember? And Penn State pounded Villanova like 38 to 17, give or take. They only ran for 80 yards against an FCS team. And you're like, okay, you know, that's, that, that's one of those, eh, whatever. You know, who cares about this game? Penn State didn't play all that great. That's not what we saw against Ohio. Penn State came out and kicked their ass. This is a game, this is the kind of cupcake, cupcake game that you hope for. You see it on paper. By the way, the, the point spread went from 24 and a half to 28 in a matter of two hours Friday night. I thought, wow, I'd I, I love Ohio, Ohio at 28. They end up crushing it. The point I'm trying to make is this was not, oh, this is just a win is a win kind of game. This was not, ah, they didn't necessarily look great in this and they found a way. To, no, this was the kind of game that makes you feel good about Penn State. Last year against Wisconsin, I didn't feel good about that win. I didn't think Penn State played very well at all against Wisconsin. Yeah, they won a game at Camp Randall to start 1-0, but Wisconsin shot themselves in the foot all day. Then they beat Auburn. I didn't think Auburn was any good. It turned out Auburn wasn't any good last year. But yet Penn State rises to a number four ranking based on beating Wisconsin and beating Auburn, and everybody felt all great about Penn State, and that was not legit, really. Yes, they were beating Iowa. But when I say when's the last time you felt this good about Penn State, I got to go back to 2019. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of that year when Jerdy Brown, the Cotton Bowl, Sean Clifford, and as well as they played, and going into 2020 when they were the number seven team in the country. Yeah, I mean, you look at the statistics, and they – they. I mean, their offense was – they lit it up. I mean, they had 572 total yards, 338 passing, 234 rush. So, I mean, when's the last time Penn State rushed for over 200 yards? And, Cotton you know, goal. Yeah, right. At Journey Brown's coming out party. And, unfortunately, you know, his career ended uh, shortly thereafter. But, you know, you got you to gotta be pleased. And, you know, they – 17 different Penn State – Nittany Lions touched the football via the reception. A total of 16 total all year last year did. That's 17 just today. That's 17 today. So they're getting balanced, balanced from any from everywhere, you know. And I think that's what's important too. And we talked about the youth movement. I mean, there are some young guys that are going to be pushing these first three guys, these these first this first group, and that's going to bode well for them. And I think that's you know that's super important. Because guess what? We talk about depth, depth, depth. Well, now they have that quality depth that they haven't really had the last two years for whatever reason. But this game was supposed to be a route on paper, and it was a route in person. And you don't always get to see that, as we're seeing across college football uh, on weekends like this weekend. Yeah, Marshall beating Notre Dame. I mean, you, you we are. To, yeah, Marshall. Uh, App State beating AM. We'll get into all that in the third segment. And by the way, in the second segment, we're going to spend an extensive amount of time on the quarterback thing. So we'll save Drew Aller and Sean Clifford and 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 James Franklin's fantastic decision, I thought. Well, let's say get into that in the second segment. But 
as we close this first segment, you're talking Nick Singleton, 179 yards on 10 carries, a 70-yard touchdown, a 44-yard touchdown, a 48-yard run. I wrote in my story at DK Pittsburgh Sports, you, you're, not, you're only going to have a certain amount of success in baseball when you've got a bunch of singles hitters in your lineup. And basically, Penn State's running game the last year and a half has been singles hitters, guys that couldn't make you pay. They couldn't take it to the house. Kevon Lee is a nice college back. He can do some things. He's not going to take it to the house from anywhere on the field. You've got a home run hitter in Nick Singleton. Again, it was just Ohio. Let's keep perspective. But Nick Singleton has the kind of out, outside burst of speed that makes you think he can do this kind of thing maybe against some other teams. And it, it just changes the whole dynamic, Jared, because when if they can run the ball and now Sean Clifford doesn't have to do everything, you're just in a completely different you know, situation with Penn State's offense. Right. I think the one thing that, that we need to, to just kind of hone in on real quick before we get to the second segment Kevon Lee, the starting running back, one carry today, mm-hmm. or one carry on Saturday. And I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think he saw the field very often after his block in the back penalty uh, early, early in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And look, they, they are going to need Kevon Lee. Let's not just think that Nick Singleton is going to be able to handle every situation when Michigan starts blitzing or Ohio State starts blitzing. Nick Singleton is a running back right now. To become a college, a full-fledged, all-around college running back, he's still going to have to do some other things. Uh, He did pick up one good blitz. I noticed today Elton Hayes from CNHI sitting next to us in the press box uh, told me about it. Uh, It was was good to see. But there are some other things they're going to need, maybe more of a veteran like Kevon Lee to do. But I did point this out in what I wrote, Jared. Saquon Barkley. Game two, 2015, Buffalo, 100, mm-hmm. 112 yards rushing. The first, the first Saquon leap that we saw, the, the, the coming out party for Saquon Barkley against Buffalo, a MAC team. What Nick Singleton – by the way, it is Nicholas. I confirmed with Penn State. I got to start calling him Nicholas. That is the preferred name. Nick, Nicholas Singleton today or Saturday, a much better performance than Saquon Barkley had against Buffalo in 2015. So you're talking about the Gatorade National Player of the Year. There's been all this hype around him. I struggle just selling out with a, a true freshman running back right off the bat. But man, the kid was unbelievably impressive. Yeah, I think, you know, when you t- look at explosive players, he's right there. But we're going to talk a little bit more about some other guys that are capable of some explosive plays and really captaining those explosive plays when we get back here on the second segment of the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
Welcome back to the second segment of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey, there's no there's no quarterback controversy, but damn, is seeing seeing Drew Aller play football is a lot of fun. I, I just love what we saw. All aspects of the quarterback situation during the game and after the game. And I'm going to explain that here in a little bit. There are going to be some people out there, I guarantee listening to this, that think not only there might be a quarterback controversy, but that there, there should be a quarterback controversy. And that Drew Aller should be pushing Sean Clifford for a lot of playing time. Let's pump the brakes. Let's pump the brakes, okay? Sean Clifford played great. Sean Clifford was the Big Ten offensive player, co-offensive player of the week last week. They got to go to Auburn this week. I would trust Sean Clifford going into an SEC venue. They got Michigan at the big house in a few weeks. I don't believe there's a quarterback controversy. I think it's nonsense to think that there would be a quarterback controversy. But here's the thing, Jared. You've coached high school, you've coached high school football. You know how when you start tinkering with lineups and things like that and 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 people's jobs, you you create doubt. And by playing Drew Aller early on Saturday, some people think, well, maybe James Franklin is stirring up a quarterback controversy. I don't see it that way at all. I thought it was brilliant. And look, folks, I understand I've been as critical of James Franklin the past two years as anybody. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I thought James Franklin was a genius today, was a genius Saturday. He admitted he wanted to bring Aller into the game in the second quarter, which I think would have been great. Up 16 to nothing would have been a good time. I, I thought going into this game, what I want to see is I want to see Drew Aller playing a series or two with the game still on the line, not mop-up duty. I give James Franklin a ton of credit. And I'll mention here in a little bit why after the game was important with Sean Clifford, but I don't think there's any level of a quarterback controversy. I, I, I just love that James Franklin made the decision to give the kid a chance and he was outstanding. Right. And I, I mean, he took advantage of it. And, and we talked about this during the game in the press box. Like it seemed like he did a lot better than he did because he, it seemed like he threw a lot more than he did, but his chances, I mean, he was only six of eight and I say only, but he, I mean, two of those were touchdowns. Um, and he only threw for 88 yards, but we all thought that he, it was bigger than that or better than that. Um, and even Kristen Veyer came in, and he was 6-7 for 37 yards. So, I mean, they were getting efficiency from the quarterback position, but, I mean, Aller was, is just fun to watch. And I think that's that's the big thing. I mean, he, some, he made some pretty good throws um, even early in the game, but Franklin talked about it after the game. He's got probably the most poise that I've seen in, in quite some time. Uh, from a freshman, no right. less, but from a quarterback in general. And, and and the game doesn't seem too big for him. Now, granted, I think that there's a lot more, you know, that he has to offer, and I think we're going to see that eventually. But right now, man, he's playing really good football, and, and it's a nice little one-two punch because now, as after the last two games, you've got to be prepared as a defense, as an opponent to face both Sean Clifford and Drew Aller. And, and that's not easy to game plan for. I wondered coming into the season how James Franklin would keep Drew Aller happy and out of the transfer portal. That's what I'm talking about. That I think James has been a genius the way he's handled uh, this against Ohio. He Aller was forced into action at Purdue for a series. But let me step back and, and praise Sean Clifford for a minute. Because Sean Clifford's attitude about this whole thing is exceptional. It it screams leadership and understanding. Sean Clifford is a senior. He's 24. We joke about how old he is and how long he's been there. 
if Sean Clifford's a sophomore or a junior and you're bringing in the number one quarterback recruit in the country, Jared, sure. It would make sense that these guys are all competing for the same job. Would Sean Clifford feel uncomfortable? Would you be creating a distraction of a quarterback controversy? There are a lot of scenarios in college football where that might be the case. I just don't think that's the case here. Sean Clifford's been around forever. He is the starting quarterback. He is playing well. He is mature enough to understand that the future of Penn State football is Drew Aller. Mm -hmm. Sean Clifford is the CEO of an NIL company. You don't think he understands that they've got to keep Drew Aller happy so that he doesn't go get more NIL money else somewhere else next year? Sean Clifford is the perfect guy for this situation with regards to understanding that the younger player behind him needs to get experience for the future, but not to feel threatened that he's going to take your job. If Sean Clifford starts playing like shit, then he is going to lose the job. But that's not the case. And I'm, let me read this real quick because I asked Sean, you know, is, if your experience and the fact that you've been here a long time molds, you know, molds how he feels about this. And he said, quote, there's a thing of competition, but at the same time, we have a really good room of we all want to succeed. We want the team to win. That's the best thing about our group of quarterbacks, and it's just like a love across the room because no matter what's happening, we just need to win games. That's the mentality of a 24-year-old, six-year senior who is secure in himself and his job and not worried that a, a freshman is going to come over and come in and take over his spot right away. Yeah. I mean, and I was right there with you when, when you asked that question and you know, he was, he was into it, man. He was, he was that's passionate. Right. And I think that's, that's very important because guess what? I mean, we all know really what's the end game here is to get Drew Aller as much playing time as he can, keep him happy. And, and you know how Christian Bayer is a backup eventually, but, but having that dynamic and having that positivity in the, in the quarterback room, it makes it, fun for those kids to come to football every day knowing that they're going to get better and i think that's again competition is good and this is probably the first time in a long time that they've had good competition where it's been healthy where it's not you know giving the ball to will levis 17 times in a game for god knows what reason or you know why are you bagging on will levis i'm not he, i'm i'm, I'm making just it about He's just about to beat Florida on the road. There's a minute to go, and Kentucky's up. Let's. I'm not bashing him. I'm bashing the way that they handle <laughs> it. I know. I got you. I just but wanted to same throw thing that with out. Tommy Stevens. You yeah. know, and, and Tommy Stevens gets to the Tommy Cat or whatever they called it um, package, and that's the issue right now. You know, it's not like it's disrupting the game. This has been. This was a great situation for James Franklin. He got Aller in. And that was it. It didn't disrupt momentum. He let him go. He got series after series. And that's the way it's got to be because it, like we saw in Purdue or at Purdue, if you run out a different running back every series, they just get no momentum, right? And if you do the same thing with quarterbacks, you're not going to get any momentum. So being able to continue that momentum was perfect for that team and perfect for a day like today, which is exactly what you want when you play in Ohio or, you know, a directional Michigan like they do in two weeks. So it's all about getting those quality reps, getting those young guys some playing time 
and really see seeing what you got while also not giving anything to the opponent. I think that's the other thing we got to look at too. Auburn's got film of Purdue and a half of the starters or probably about three quarters of the game with, with the starters other than Sean Clifford. So they've got a game plan for a lot of different things. And that's, you know, if they survive, you know, San Jose state, which is not is posing not to be easy for them. Just Auburn just scored uh 24, 13. They're up on San Jose state. So it looks like Auburn's going to win that game. And that's better for Penn State. If Auburn had if Auburn had lost at home to San Jose State, oh, I, I would think that'd make them much more dangerous against Penn State. But let me ask you, this, Jared, as we close up this segment, you think Drew Aller plays at Auburn? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I'll let you go first. Why? I mean, I think it's Sean Clifford's team. I mean, it, it, again, you have to be if they do play him. It they can't. It's it's probably because Sean Clifford gets hurt. Or or something. Do crazy they give happens. him? Do they try to find one series in a protected kind of environment, or do you even risk that in an SEC environment? You just stay with Clifford. I don't think I don't know how you could do that. I don't think you, I I don't know how you could validate that because that's the thing, Corey. If you if you put him in there, then you're adding just unnecessary drama where it needs to be. We all know it's Sean Clifford's team. We all know it's going to be Sean Clifford's team until he physically can't do it anymore. And that might be when he's 95. That might be when he's 65. We don't really know yet, but at the age of 35, it, you know, we know it's still his team. But again, if you put Drew Aller in there in a game, it, w- it would be great to get him experience. So if Penn State goes up three scores, I think you do put him in. And I think you keep Sean Clifford healthy. But unless that's the case or unless there's an injury, I just don't see the need to do it because Sean Clifford's playing pretty decent football, that's right. all things considered. Yeah, and if they go up three scores at Auburn, we're talking about now this can be a different kind of thing. Because I, I, I'm on the fence. I picked them to lose to Auburn before. And as I said repeatedly at the beginning, this was just Ohio. And I, I, we can feel good about a lot of things Penn State related. But now they've got to go to an SEC team. And not that I think Auburn is really any all, all that good. This is just a different challenge down there. So I don't really know who I'm going to pick just yet. But at the same time, if they go to Auburn and win – now you bring 10 wins into the equation, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Now you bring in, hey, you can lose to Michigan, you can lose to Ohio State, and you really should beat everybody else. And, hey, I'm a guy that picked them to go 7-5. and five. If they beat Auburn and you bring 10 wins into the equation, that's a hell of a bounce-back season for James Franklin. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think it's possible. And that's, I think, one of the things that we talked about at the beginning of the season, right? They could be a team that went, you know, 8-4 and four or – seven and five, but they also could have been a team that's going nine and three, 10 and two, 11 and one, depending on how things go. And right now they're, things are trending upward. They've squeaked out a win against Purdue. Again, all that matters is winning. So now they're heading to Auburn. It's going to be a hostile environment. They're going to be ready. And this is a, the first test for Auburn. This is a first big test for Auburn. This is their second test. They've already been tested, but now they're going in fresh relatively healthy and you know that's a it's a pretty good recipe for success uh when you look at it and if penn state's able to, to win there and then get a win against central michigan and go into big 10 play you know four and oh look out like they got some momentum going yeah that would be impressive we'll take a break here get into the craziness of college football it was a wild day on saturday man Oh, Corey, I love it. I got home from the game. I immediately turned it on, turned on college football, and just watched 
craziness. And we'll talk more about that craziness here when we come back for the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey, I love college football, and I love college football for days like Saturday. It we was all, a great day for the We Are brand. Yep. Uh, we Are Marshall took yeah, down win. and outplayed and out, outwilled Notre Dame at Notre Dame. And it was, you know, we watched a little bit as we wrapped up at, at Beaver Stadium, but that's a great win for Charles Huff, former Penn State assistant coach. And then it just kept getting better and better because guess what? They were paid, what, $1.5 million yep. to go play there? That's big money from Notre Dame to pay for a loss. Got to love hey, it. That's, it got that's, better at Texas A&M, too. That's right. App State. App State. That's terrible, though. Let, let's look at that. That's a terrible loss for Notre Dame. You oh, can absolutely. feel good for Charles Huff. That's a horrendous loss for Notre Dame. Absolutely pathetic. And it's an even worse loss for A&M because Jimbo Fisher is in put-up-or-shut-up mode. They've got as much money, if not more, than any college football program in the country at A&M. You lose at home to App State, which has a nice program. I think I read App State's coach makes five hundred grand, give or take. Jimbo makes $9 million. That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable when you're Jimbo Fisher and, and, and all the offseason you've had. But we're kind of burying it here. We nearly saw a full, full-fledged chaos, Jared. Texas nearly beat Alabama. Yes. It took a last-second comeback and a field goal, which field goals have not always been good for Alabama you know, over, over the last 15 years. But Alabama gets a field goal to beat Texas. We could have seen ultimate chaos there if Alabama No, and I love it. I, I love it because there are teams – things are happening all over the place. Let's look through the top 25. And, you know, Pitt lost to Tennessee. Tennessee – I thought was the better team, but they very easily could have lost. They That's interesting. Out. You think Tennessee was the better because Pitt Pitt had every chance to win that game. Yeah, they did, and I think and I think that's the thing. I, I think Pitt just got outplayed and just didn't make enough big plays. But they lose their, their quarterback. It's hurt. They're missing field right. goals. I mean, I, I, that's an interesting concept because Tennessee, I think, has really good players. But I think Pitt was a better team. I think Pitt had a better chance to win that game. I, I think Pitt – this is one of those things I ask a lot, Jared. Did Tennessee win the game or did Pitt lose the game? Because I, yeah, I think – I actually think, think it was Pitt mixed or both. Okay. But, but yeah, and I think that's the thing. I mean, t- Tennessee comes on the road to, to Akersher Stadium. I had to get that name right. I'm sorry. Um, Where? Heinz yeah. Field? No, it, it'll always be Heinz Field to me, just like Starlake Amphitheater is still Pusquizet Pavilion or whatever. It's Heinz Field. <laughs> it's Heinz Field, right? And, um, but yeah, so it's just one of those deals. But I thought, you know, on paper, Tennessee was probably the better team. Um, but they came in and, and Pitt hung with them and, and probably should have won that game. So, you know, the, Tennessee gets a win, but they can't feel that great about it. Um, their defense led by former Penn state assistant Tim banks. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought played really well towards the end. Um, but then you look, you look around and Oklahoma state was struggling with Arizona state. I mean, Michigan is handling Hawaii rather well, but this Kentucky Florida game is absolutely bonkers. They're up 10 with 53 seconds left. 
over Florida. That's a great um, win for Kentucky on the road in the swamp. That's a great win yeah. for Kentucky. I think the team you got to look out for now is USC. I mean, they are just dismant. They just dismantled t- Stanford and Caleb Williams to Jordan Addison is a problem. They they are an absolute problem, and that's that's fun. And I, I'm sure that's a dagger to Pitt fans. But you look at Caleb Williams' stats. 17 to 22, 325, four touchdowns. Ooh. Addison, six receptions, 172 yards, two touchdowns, with a, the longest being a 75 yarder. A USC could potentially be yep. a playoff team. I don't think there's anybody that's going to sniff them in the Pac 12, to be perfectly honest with you. I'll tell you, it's, it's fun because, especially early in the season, you never fully know what a lot of people have. Texas is unranked and they almost beat Alabama. You know, if they if Alabama would have lost that game, I do think Bill O'Brien would have faced a lot of criticism down there. I got mm-hmm. a lot of good feedback on a column I wrote last uh, this past week about Bill O'Brien uh, ten years ago that he was the leader of Penn State. So I want to thank everybody for a lot of really nice words on that. But you want to, boy, if Alabama loses that, they're furious at OB down there. But they win. Oh my god, yeah. And that's uh, Alabama. Alabama just finds a way to win those games. You know, they had one against Auburn last year, the Iron Bowl. They found a way to win with Bryce Young late. Alabama's going to be fine. But I'll tell you, it is fascinating when you see some of these really crazy close games. I'll go back Mm -hmm. to Notre Dame. That is unacceptable. Those people – Jared, you're a Notre Dame fan, right? I mean, was that situation worse than people thought? God, well, I'm not – listen, I – to, to put me in the same conversation as a Notre Dame fan, I I, I don't think it's fair. I don't like okay. Notre Dame. All right. Um, last week, my own personal hell was watching Ohio State and Notre Dame play, um, for a lot of reasons. But, um, but Notre Dame, I, I don't I don't know. Listen, Brian Kelly left there on not so great terms. I think the guy that they have, I think Freeman is a great coach. I think he's going to be the real deal. But it takes time, you know. He's the first coach at, at Notre Dame to go 0 and 3. Now, I guarantee he's the first one to ever have to, you know, his first game is in the bowl game. Then they play Ohio State. And then by the grace of God, the Thundering Herd come in there and just just, just outplay them. And, you know, the, the, what we watched in the press box, the, the, just the manner that Notre Dame lost was embarrassing enough. And, you know, you're inheriting a program that Brian Kelly is just a complete goof, uh, in my opinion. Uh, of course, you know, LSU handled business today, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, it, I think it's a lot darker than you think um, because Ben, because Notre Dame is an act, is a brand, right? They're always going to be hype. There's always going to be this hoopla around them. They were the number but, five but how, team in the country entering the sea. I, look, right. I don't pretend to know, be an expert on what Notre Dame has and it has not. They're the number five team in the country and you're losing home to Marshall. That's pathetic. That can't well, And that also goes to show preseason rankings are irrelevant. I, I, I agree with that. I'm think I'm thinking about this from the folks standpoint in in South Bend, Indiana, and I guarantee you they're friggin' livid. Oh I guarantee you they're friggin' livid because you just lost at home to Marshall, and and that cannot happen. That cannot no. happen. If you're As the number eight team in the country, regardless, right? I mean, so look, now they're going to be zero two and probably fall to number nine. <laughs> I I look. App State has done a nice job with their program. I. I say that's a pathetic. They should have won last week. That's a pathetic loss for AM, but that's more understandable than if you're Marshall going in beating Notre Dame. If you're Notre Dame, man, you're you're spending Saturday night and Sunday morning wondering what in the holy hell. Yeah, if I'm on that coaching staff at Notre Dame, uh, they have actually former wide receivers coach Jared Parker up there. Um, 
for a former Penn State receivers coach. He was the offensive coordinator at West Virginia. It's kind of bounced around a little bit. But if I'm I'm in the fetal position in my bed um, or in the coach's office, nervous as hell um, because you just lost to Marshall uh, on two on two interceptions. Right. One was a pick six. They pick six uh, in, at the end of the game when it mattered most. Um but then you, I mean, then you look at AM and AM is just purely comical at this point because they have the what the first ranked recruiting class, first, second, and fourth, I think, over the last few years. It's all the oil, all the money oil can buy, all the all the players' money can buy. But at the end of the day, once they get to campus, recruit those stars don't matter, right? We talk about that almost every podcast, and I, I think it's one of my favorite sayings. But damn, Jimbo Fisher's got to be worth some sort of money. Uh, and because he hasn't he hasn't been worth his weight in gold down there and you know i think he lucked into uh, lucked into one at florida state but they have that one bad loss every year and i think it's i think it's hilarious then you look at wisconsin they lost by three points to washington state georgia handled business michigan state handled business against the fighting joe moorheads texas tech took down houston um and then oklahoma they they it was seven to three at halftime against kent state and they're the number seven team in the country but Corey, we talk about this every week too there's nobody that loves screwing things up and blundering things more than our buddy Scott Frost. And they are, they have not only have they given up 38 points to Nebraska or to Georgia Southern, they are losing by three in the fourth quarter as we record this. They are the gift that keeps on giving week after week after week. I what, just, what is Nebraska football to you? Because obviously they have a false sense of what Nebraska football is. Yeah, it's interesting. And as we speak, there's 13 minutes to go. Uh, there's still there's still time for Nebraska to win this game. If they lose this game, I wonder if he's fired. Uh, oh wait, I think I think he might have. I think he might he might be the coach that has a, the buyout really drops like as as of October first, if I'm not mistaken, for Scott Frost. If if if, if memory serves me right, but that could be the kind of loss. Look, I don't think Nebraska ever comes back as a program as a major player consistently on the national stage. Can they get it back for a year or two here or there? Maybe. But I grew up watching Nebraska. I remember watching as a nine-year-old kid, I guess I was, Nebraska-Miami, not fully understanding uh, college football back in the uh, 83 championship game, not fully understanding it, but watching it and remembering how amazed I was at what Nebraska was able to do and Miami was able to do. But they 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 built their program on those big linemen, the the the, the, the corn fed linemen, the running game, running over people. College football is a national game now. I don't look. This is going to sound really mean. I don't know why any great skill player would go to Nebraska at all, like ever. I mean, and I mean, I mean ever. What they did for years and years was they had a system. Jared, you know what a crazy system can work. Like you coached Altoona Mountain Line football, they run the Veer, you know, like Georgia Tech. If you have a system like that, you can be effective with it. But if, if you're in the modern game of throwing and running and high skill level skill position guys, why would anybody go to Nebraska? That's a good question. And, and listen, they—it's not like they were bad with Bo Pelini. They were winning eight, nine, ten games a year. But they thought they should win. But they 11. thought they could win more. And Scott Frost at the time was the hot guy. He had UCF on fire they were the undisputed national champions in everybody's mind um but man it, like you got to just have a sense of reality and Corey, you mentioned scott frost buyout i i pull it up 
Is he the October first guy? October first, it okay. goes from fifteen million, um, to so, seven and a half million. So if they lose, to, so yeah, September thirty first. If they lose to Georgia Southern, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking Scott Frost does not survive past October first. Not a chance. He, October tw- at midnight Central Time or whatever, they are getting rid of him. If that is the case, they're going to save themselves seven and a half million dollars. But man, like, and he, and listen, he was the hot guy, right? He was, he was so hot when, he, when in that 2017 coaching cycle. But you have to, <laughs> it's like Zoolander. He's that's so, right. That hand, he's so hot right now. That Hansel. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott Frost is ice cold right now, which is hilarious. Um, but, but again, you gotta, you gotta have a sense of reality who you are, right? The grass isn't always greener on the other side. We hey. found that out with Pitt and Dave Wanstat. And we found this out with a lot of guys here. And, and because, People think that they have this false sense of what they were in the past. Well, and that's not the case anymore. Speaking of that, let's get to Iowa because I think oh. we might have talked to Iowa. Iowa scored seven points again today and lost <laughs> and lost Iowa State 10 to 7. Brian Ferentz, the, the coach's son, um, offensive coordinator there. Look, Brian is a chip off the old block of what Kirk wants to do, playing it close to the vest. He played open, offensive line for Iowa. I, I I just I just don't even know what to say about Iowa. I, I might have it might have been this podcast or my radio show I mentioned where sports should be about entertainment. Is anybody entertained watching Iowa football? I mean, even if you win, even if you beat seven, win seven to three, like whoever the hell they beat last week, that's your eyes are bleeding. It's not entertaining. And Kirk Ferentz has had success. He's won some games. And, and I don't know what I, what Iowa football could really be. Could, could they fall in that Nebraska realm if they get away from traditional Iowa? I don't know. My God, man. They had 150 that, total yards. And that's after about 160 last, last week. Who did they beat 7-3 last week? Some terrible team. Uh, I, oh. I, I'll look it up here. But, but that's two weeks in a row, and you just have to wonder, you know, again, sports should be about entertainment – not torture whenever you go to watch your team. Just wait until Iowa and Wisconsin play 11 on 11 12. Last week was South I will Dakota, be busy that day. South Dakota um, State. Very, even worse, at least Iowa State's a Division One FBS team. But yeah, and that's the thing, you know. But at the end of the day, we sit here, Penn State's in great shape because guess what? In the Big Ten West, there's only one undefeated team left. It's week yeah. two. And it's Minnesota. Now, granted, they put up 100 points, but they have literally played nobody. <laughs> hey, at Al- at Auburn. But think next about week, that. I know. Yeah. At, at Auburn next week, I'll be making the drive. I'm driving down, folks. Wish me luck. Uh, we'll have a whole bunch more next week. A lot of great coverage this week, but that should be a fun trip to Auburn. But yeah, so we wish Corey safe travels. He'll be down there on scene for what might be a Penn State win, what might not be. But for right now, we go into Auburn, Penn State has everything to be excited for as they watch the big 10 literally implode around themselves. Um, but again, Penn state's two and heading into Auburn. So we'll ha- wish you guys to have a great week. Corey, have some safe travels for Corey Geiger. This is Jared Prugar. We'll catch you again next week, following the game at Auburn on the DK Pittsburgh sports podcasting network.